Welcome to our Wednesday Bible study. In this video, we're going to be taking a look at Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, really, I'm, I'm excited about this because I think it's a great chapter. And I want us to just kind of go back to one verse from chapter 1 because I think this is uh, what we see in this chapter is, is kind of filling out what we saw in the previous chapter. So whenever we look at Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10, we see the last half. It's not even actually the full verse. It's just the last half of the verse that I want us to focus on because we will see time and time again how God is doing this. Um, and part of the task of what God is, is all about and what he was explaining in the previous chapter, and I'm, I'm not going to go into to great detail about that, but in Ephesians 1.10, we read, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And I mean, that just sounds like a huge idea, you know, a huge thought to even think about how is that even going to come about, you know, and, and just how far reaching that is. It's not just things on earth. It's things in heaven as well. The things that we can see, the things that we can't see. And we're going to see time and time again in Ephesians how God and how Jesus are bringing these things about. So the, the concept is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, one of the main things that we see with this unity is uh, what it means for uh, everything to be brought into unity under Christ um, with, within the body of Christ, within the church uh, of Christ, actually. And now, one thing that I will just kind of point out that is part of their world that's not so much, uh, at least not in the same way, part of ours, is they had a huge distinction between, okay, some people are Jews, some people are Gentiles, okay? Those words are just words that mean you've got the Jewish people. It's a, it's a nation that came uh, from the tribes of Israel, from Abraham himself, and then you have the term Gentiles, and Gentiles is just a fancy word that means everybody else. It's all the other nations. So they had this huge division. So they, they really thought that the Israelites were something special, which, I mean, in some ways that they were. Of course, you know, they, they were. Salvation did come through them because of Jesus Christ coming through them. But yet, it's not all just about them. The plan of God, the plan even that was given through Abraham, was that all nations would be blessed through him. And they are. They are under Christ. This is how it comes to us. So that huge division that we're going to see in this chapter, it's one that we look at that and we're like, that's kind of weird. Was that really a problem then? Yes, it was an extreme problem in the early church because they were trying to figure out now that they have some Jewish believers in God and then you have some Gentile believers in God, are they all the same? Yes, they are. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived uh, among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. 
For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So in this passage, uh, we are going to be looking at several of these phrases. One thing that I'm going to point out right here, uh, I mentioned this uh, last chapter. I said if I had to really summarize um, that chapter from last chapter, it would be the, with the phrase, in him. Well, one thing I do kind of want to uh, go ahead and confess at this point, we're going to see that thought about things in him or under him or through him being through Christ, in Christ. We're going to continue to see that in this chapter. Uh, in fact, we, we've seen that. And one of the things that I did is, you might remember from last week, um, I took a, a pink highlighter and I highlighted all the different times that in him or through him appeared in the previous chapter. Uh, well, I, I ended up doing that again for this chapter. And it's, it's pretty fascinating how oftentimes we do see it. Uh, we do see that showing up in verse 7, and we see that also uh, again in verse 10 already in these verses that, uh, that are before you. But there's so much more that we need to see. So this is going to be this contrast of where this church uh, of Ephesus, um, where they came from and where they are now. Because, you know, sometimes it's important to remember where you have come from. Uh, not that you have to necessarily dwell on the past, okay? You, you, can't, you can't change what's happened in the past. But what you can do is you can recognize what God has brought you through. I mean, could, could you imagine if you never think back to what God has brought you through, how are you going to face all the things in your life now? Or how are you going to face things in the future if you can't look back and recognize where God has brought you? That's why so many of the, um, the, the feasts and fasts and different things were supposed to remember uh, things that God brought them through in, in times past. We see that in the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, you know, of course, it's not by accident that we have the Lord's Supper that we take up. It's to think back to what Christ has already done for us. And sometimes that means that we've got to be reminded where we were, where where we would be, you know, without Christ, or where we were without Christ. I guess depending on how you want to look at it, it can all be kind of wrapped up together. But here in verse one, we see in no uncertain terms where they were, and really where we were as well. Uh, it says, uh, "As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins." Um, he's not trying to sugarcoat this at all. He is just getting straight to the point. Uh, look, that's where we came from. We were dead. You know, we were dead people walking uh, around, trying to live our lives and not knowing, you know, what type of purpose to have and everything. In Christ, through Christ, we have purpose. We, we have everything about the meaning of life and what we are, what we are called to do here in, uh, in this life. But he says to them, look, you were dead. That is part of your past. Uh, that's part of our past as well. And he goes on and he talks about why they were. Why they were in verse 2 is because they were following after the ways of the world. Now, you know, I don't want you to dwell too much about this, but I just want you to think briefly, um, you know, especially for all of you who are listening who are Christians at, at now, uh, you know, at the, the time that you're listening to this. I want you to think back and what were you like whenever you were following the ways of this world? Um, it's probably not a very pretty picture. And that's why I say that we don't need to dwell there because that's, that's our, part of our past, but it doesn't define us who we are right now. Our identity today is found in Christ Jesus. But at some point or another, we all followed in the ways of the world. And I guess I'll go ahead and I'll put this just in case, because I know that whenever I put these videos up online, maybe some other people might find them and everything. If you're listening to this and if you're not a Christian, um, I would seriously just kind of urge you to consider what this passage is talking about. Because, you know, in many ways, um, although it could be a difficult thing to 
to hear and to, to listen to uh, and all. But I mean, this in many ways does describe you, but I, I would encourage you to continue listening and to see uh, what you can be in Christ and through Christ, because there is a lot of hope in this passage. I'm not trying to just be down upon people who are without Christ. It's just there's a huge difference between people who have Christ and people who do not have Christ in their life. So right here, you can all, uh, all think about the time in which you did follow the ways of the world. Then he also kind of brings this into, you know, we, we would sort of say that, and I guess I'm going to make a little bit of a distinction um, here, which maybe I'm making too much of one that, that's not always made in the Bible. Um, but here you kind of think about following the ways of the world. That would be sort of these these physical ways, you know, the, the, the ways that the, uh, the physical world kind of does things, how they treat people, things like that. But then this other phrase talks about this ruler of the kingdom of the air. Sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? Okay. So I guess if you want to see these two things um, being brought in, we see the whole heaven, the earth, heaven and earth uh, type thing both ways. Um, there's a good way to be within those, and there's a bad way uh, to be within those. So here, kind of the spiritual realm uh, and also kind of the physical realm, uh, you could follow the ways of the world. Uh, you could follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air. In fact, at some point or another, we all have been there, but that's not what we are called to do. That describes how we were. It describes how we were whenever he describes us as being dead. That's what it means to be dead, is to be following these, these ways of the world, to be following the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Of course, that goes back to uh, to Satan. Uh, you know, Regardless of, of how directly you want to connect that to Satan, uh, it does go back to him. It, it does go back to this evil and the wickedness that we see. We also find out that, uh, you know, quite, quite bluntly, once again in verse 3, that you, it says we were by nature deserving of wrath. I want you to think about that. That's what we truly do deserve. We, we deserve the wrath of God because, well, uh, we messed up. I mean, we followed the ways of the world. We followed uh, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. We have gone the wrong way. We tried to, to make it in this life in a way uh, that that is not pleasing to God. We were deserving of wrath. But verse 4, we see this hope. We see that because of the great love that God has given to us, he is rich in mercy. And uh, we see in verse 5, this is what he's done. He has made us alive with Christ. So you were dead, but now you are alive in Christ. Even though, you know, according to your transgressions and according to all of these other things, you, you should have been, you know, dead. You should have received this wrath, but you don't. That's the grace of God. That's the mercy of God. That's at the heart of this passage. And I love this passage because it really stresses just how great the love of God is. How great the mercy of God is. Because it is only by the mercy of God, I and mean, it is only by the grace of God that we can become the things that, that we have become today. And uh, Christ has done all of these things. This has been part of the, the plan of God because of God's mercy. He has made us alive uh, with Christ. And we see exactly how he's done that. But then we also even see a little bit more details. And, and in verse 6, I want you to just, just think about this. Actually, I guess kind of verses 6 and 7. I want you to think about what he's saying right here, because the way that we would expect him to say this is that God will raise us up just like he has raised Christ Jesus. But, I mean, look at verse 6. That's not what he says. He says, and God raised, past tense, so he's already done that, raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. 
Okay, I mean, you look at that, and of course, those come to us in Christ Jesus again. So, you know, we see this, uh, you know, so many times about uh, Christ Jesus and the part that he plays uh, in all of this. But right here, we see these things as being already done. Like, we've already been raised up with Christ. We've already been seated with him in the heavenly realms. And we see that in the coming ages, we're going to continue to see all this, these riches of his grace. Now, it's, it's very interesting to me, you know, because so many times we, we might think about how difficult it is here in, in this life and, you know, kind of the struggle and everything about how people might even fall away in this life and, and things like that. And, and some of that is part of it, but there's also a very real way in which when we become followers of Christ, we have been raised up with Christ. We have been seated with him in the heavenly realms. All of this is, is about the victory that we have, this victory that comes to us in Jesus Christ. We see this wonderful statement in verses 8 through 10, and I hope that you are listening to this uh, you know, with, with very wide open ears. I'm going to read it again. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from our, yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We see so much about ourselves. We see so much about our purpose right here. It is by the grace of God that we have been saved. And we are saved through our faith. Now that faith, I've told you time and time again, I'm going to continue to tell you that I think whenever we see the words belief or faith, uh, I am strongly convinced that it's not just saying, oh, well, you know, I believe in God and, and that being it. But no, the faith that the Bible talks about is a faith that not only believes in God, not only says that you believe in God, but does something about it. And I think that that's also what we see fleshed out. Now, it's not by our works, it's not through our works that we are saved. Uh, obviously, in verse 9, not by works. And it's not by works that we are saved because, you know, we can't boast about these things. It's not because of how great we are. It's how great our God is. It's this gift of God that he's given to us through our faith in him, through our trust in him. That's what faith is and what we are in verse 10. We might have been dead, but now we are alive in Christ in verses um, 4 and 5. Then we see also in verse 10, we are God's handiwork. Yes, we most certainly are. But even more than that, we see that God has prepared in advance these good works for us to do. Are we doing them? I mean, let's give that some serious thought. And I want you to, to really think about that because God has prepared good works for you to do. Are you doing them? We need to be people. We are God's handiwork. We need to be people who are doing the works that God has placed before us. Uh, I know that we've been going, you know, kind of slow in the first 10 verses, but I mean, let's also recognize we've gone through 10 verses. The rest of this, though, just kind of builds upon on this as the, the foundation. This is the big bulk that I wanted to cover in this chapter. But now as we continue, to, we, we see how it's going to be fleshed out because, you know, up to this point, we haven't even gotten into much of the Jew and the Gentile division. Well, that's what we're about to get into. So let's see that together and let's make sure that we read that and, and recognize how important and how serious of a thing it was during their day. And then also kind of maybe see, well, what does this mean for us today? Verses 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that formerly you were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus 
You who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Okay, so we see once again this contrast. You know, uh, the first 10 verses we see that we were dead, but now we're alive in Christ. Right here, um, he says, remember you formerly were called, you know, these uncircumcised. You were these Gentiles, okay? And he's, he's making these d distinction, but he actually tells them something about that. He says in verse 12, he describes him because there was a time whenever the Gentiles, they were separate from Christ. They were excluded from citizenship in Israel. They were foreigners to the covenants of these promises. They were without hope and they were without God in the world. That sounds horrible. But verse 13 is there. But now in Christ Jesus, that's one of those phrases again, in Christ Jesus, we have been brought near. How have we been brought near? Well, it's a gift of God. It's by the blood of Christ. That's the gift that God has given to us. So now we see fleshed out once again kind of this, you were this, but now you're this, and you're so much more than that. And this is what God really wants from us. This is what God wants. He wants us to be brought near by the blood of Christ. This is, you know, part of these things that, that he has prepared uh, for us. This is what Christ has already done in the past for us, but this is part of uh, what we presently need to be involved in right now. And I know this kind of sounds like a little... Uh, a little negative about the Gentiles, but I mean, you know, well, it was pretty bad though, because they really were separated from Christ and, and they were apart from all these promises of God. They didn't have uh, the words of God, but yet now they are something so much more. Let's continue reading though. Verses 14 through 18 now, uh, talking about how, okay, I'm going to back up. I'm going to read verse 13 and then continue on. Okay, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to you who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So now we see something about Christ. We see that he himself is our peace. There's so much about peace that's being talked about right here. Uh, he mentions about how these were two different groups, but now they are made one. This uh, one new humanity out of the two. Now, the humanity that he's talking about and this, this dividing wall of hostility and this barrier and everything, um, yes, if we lived in their time, we would know instantly you know, what he's talking about, about these divisions, because there was even, there, there was a sign, so I'm, so I'm told there was a sign in ancient Israel, uh, in the temple, that uh, said, in essence, if you cross this border right here, you could be put to death if you're not a, a Jew. So, I mean, it was very exclusive. Like, you, you can only come that far, and that, that's as far as you can come. Um, now, I mean, you know, it was, just, it was just part of what they were. And, you know, they could, they could put them to death. That was one of the things that they were actually allowed to put somebody to death for. Uh, you know, we read that sometimes they had to have permission and everything. Well, that was one that they automatically had permission for if a, if a Gentile person crossed that line because it would, it would be a, a Gentile person um, treading on holy space uh, to, to the ancient world. And that was a big deal. You know, many of these things don't really cross our minds, but there was a big dividing wall. If you remember the book of Acts, that's one of the problems they had with Paul, because they thought that Paul brought Gentiles into the temple where Gentiles weren't supposed to be. Now, Paul didn't do that, okay? 
now, you know, Paul obviously is the one who's writing this, and, and he, he sees that that wall has been broken down and the two are supposed to be one, but he still respected that line. And he still did not bring the Gentiles uh, into the, the Jewish temple uh, where they were not supposed to be. Um, but right here, in Christ, that wall, that barrier, that separation, no, it, it, it's not there. It shouldn't be there. And, you know, this one right here, it was the dividing wall between the, the Jewish people and then the Gentile people. But I want you to just kind of consider what other dividing walls have been have been built up since this time that maybe need to be demolished now. Um, what type of barriers are there in the in the cause of Christ in, in the body of Christ that we perhaps do need to deal with? Because in Christ, there don't need to be these walls. There, there doesn't need to be any type of separation between us. We have been brought together. Christ has come. He is our peace. He's made peace. The whole purpose of all this is to reconcile all of us to God. He's done these things. He came in verse 17. He preached peace to those people who were far away, those people who were near. This is quoting from, uh, I believe it's uh, it's Isaiah. It's in the Old Testament um, where he, he's, uh, he's quoting about how this message is going to be spreading. And it is spread. It's spread through Christ. It's all about Christ and this peace that he offers. He is our peace. He offers peace. He did everything to make peace. Do you see how important peace is? It's a big part of this passage. And if we continue on, we've got just a few more uh, more verses in this chapter. But we're going to see even some more great things that uh, we have in Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22 now. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Isn't that such wonderful words of comfort that are given right here? For these people who they they were separated from Christ, they were, you know, apart from Christ. I'm not going to go through that entire list, but, you know, you know, we just read it. And it's all these negative things. It, it kind of is really a little bit of a... Well, it seems like a negative statement in so many different ways. But yet, that's not what they're supposed to be. That's not what they're called to be right now. And that's not where it ends in Christ. In Christ, they are no longer the foreigners. They are no longer strangers. They are fellow citizens uh, with God. And then we see this language right here about this household and about this foundation and this structure and everything. So, you know, right here now we see this, this building imagery being used. And how Jesus Christ, he is our chief cornerstone. We have this foundation and all, all these other things. But we are all built up to be this holy temple in the Lord. We are, as the church of God, we are the temple of God. We are that holy space that he comes between. You know, I mean, that's not some, you know, like mystical statement or anything like that. It's just the way that it is. That God is dwelling in our midst. This is what he has wanted uh, from the very beginning. In fact, that's what he uh, set out to, to create with the you know, original creation. Um, now, you know, yes, we, uh, we opened up the, the doors and, and allowed sin to enter into it, and that's caused us problems for you know, thousands of years. But yet, in Christ, we see a way back to God. We see how we can become this holy temple again. 
we see how that we can be the dwelling place of God. He can dwell in our midst. And we see, I'm going to end again in verse 22. In Christ, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Are we as the church welcoming God to live among us? That's what he desires. That's what we should desire as well. Let's make sure that, that we grow together and that we create a building, that we create a temple for God to live among us.